Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. This is the Yanks Go Yard Podcast with Adam Weinrib and Thomas Carinante. Oh, welcome in to another episode of the Yanks Go Yard podcast following Memorial Day weekend. The Yankees, of course, had a dominant showing on Memorial Day. Up, oh, no, they didn't play because Major League Baseball likes to keep the most important franchise in the sport off of holidays where nobody is working. This is a sneak <laughs> preview of our July 4th episode, too, where the Yankees also will have not played but you know who did play last night? The New York Rangers. They're moving on to the Eastern Conference Finals against the chief enemy, the Tampa Bay Lightning. That should be fun. Everybody turn your attention there on Wednesday, but we're going to gloat a little bit. Uh, you know, we're not going to mention it again in the pod, but I am going to wear a Rangers jersey because New York is succeeding. The 2021-2022 Rangers felt pretty special, and they've done some special things so far. The 2022 Yankees feel a little bit similar, and they got off on an incredible start this weekend with half a lineup and no bullpen, going to a house of horrors in Tampa, took games one and two. Of course, they lost the game that was Garrett Cole against Corey Kluber. And then they lost the fourth game thanks to Taylor Walls, someone you've never heard of who talked shit about the Yankees after losing the first game of this series. You're not going to believe this, but he was instrumental in winning game four for the Rays. The Yankees have maybe four black holes in the current lineup. It's not like we didn't know that when the series began, but we certainly know it now. Not a problem when they're winning 2-0 behind the right arm of Jamison Tyone. A bit more of a problem when they're down one in the middle innings of game four and Aaron Hicks can't get the runners over with first and second no outs. And then, of course, that game sort of just dissolves. The series split is fine in Tampa, fine with this current roster. When you get out to a 31-13 and advantage, you just want to erase games. And so erasing games off the schedule by splitting with the Rays, not the worst thing in the world. But again, when you take the first two, then you lose the next two. And one of those is Garrett Cole and Corey Kluber. It does make you go, why is Aaron Hicks still playing? Why is Joey Gallo still playing? We're going to talk about all this. I'm Adam Weiner, of course, alongside Thomas Carinante. 
was so excited about the Rangers, I forgot to introduce myself and my co-host, but we're going to talk for the next hour anyway, so you're going to get to know us. Make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Drop us a five-star review along with the mailbag queue. We will be more than happy to answer it. Thomas Carinante, uh, hope you enjoyed the holiday weekend, which lasted through Monday. Again, the Yankees weekend ended on Sunday. Uh, and the Friday game, I believe, was on uh, the inscrutable streaming channel. And then this Friday's game is also on the inscrutable streaming channel. So you can't watch it at a bar if you want to, which is another great development uh, of this current Major League Baseball marketing effort. Uh, I'm going to go to a bar and watch my Yankees on Friday night uh, face the Detroit Tigers at home. I, I'm not allowed to do that. I can't do that. Uh, so uh, fantastic stuff from the Yanks. But overall, you're entering this series without most of your key contributors. No Loisica, Chapman, Chad Green, uh, no Stanton, no Donaldson, who actually went on the IL with a shoulder issue on Friday in addition to his current one-game suspension and current uh, fake COVID, uh, undiagnosable non-COVID sickness. Uh, that had him on the COVID IL. Uh, so Matt Carpenter played a huge role in this series. Of course he did. Uh, the Yankees got Matt Carpenter in between the last time we did a podcast and now. Pretty cool. Uh, the two-day gap between these games feels like a million years, but how are you currently feeling about what they were able to accomplish? Yeah, I'm glad there was that day gap, actually, because I was pissed. I was pissed on Sunday. Um, I eventually let it go. Um, but like you said, you take the first two games and then you're playing with house money. You got Garrett Culver's Corey Kluber. Um, Kluber was good to start the year and then kind of fell off and was more of the Yankees' bad version of Corey Kluber um, over the last month or so. Um, and Garrett Coleman, like, I am always coming on here voicing more frustration than providing praise, but, like, that's the start. That's a start that pisses me off. It's the same thing as Game 5 ALDS in 2020. This time he doesn't get a call on G-Man Choi that was, like, borderline i don't know how you can start drawing to the umpire after that that's just my opinion yeah a little high thought i thought that was a little bit excessive um and then he unravels and gives up a hit and that ties the game uh like i hear about the garrett cole fire everybody loves him strutting off the mound yelling and screaming but it's never it seems to me it's never that energy is being used constructively it's to complain about billy crystal it's to stumble over questions about sticky stuff in interviews like for once, can we do? Can we can we use the energy, the, the, harness the uh, the badass energy for something positive? Every time it's 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 this stuff, and you give off that body language on the mound, and of course the next hitter coming into the box is going to be happy to fucking step in there and take one of your offerings and and rip it into the outfield, um, because they see he's rattled. They see that he wasn't able to, and that's the other thing: pitching around very clearly pitching around Wander Franco and um, G-Man Choi because he didn't want to give up that hit that was kind of going to change the complexion of the game, which it eventually did. Just throw strikes. You're dominating throughout the – you struck out 10 batters through six innings. Just throw the ball over the plate. Just try to strike the guys out. Stop trying to paint the corners perfectly. Um, stop trying to battle with these guys because the deeper they take you into the counts, the, the more often they win, especially G-Man Choi, who's – nearly unstoppable against Garrett Cole. So that really rubbed me the wrong way. And then, of course, of course, and this is just a vent session because I know the Yankees are fine and I know that I'm not going to be, I'm not concerned about this series anymore. I'm just mandated to talk about it because this is my job. Um, But of course, they let Taylor Walls get the last fucking laugh. It's always like this in all of these series against all of these teams. Undeserving player talk shit after the game. Uh, after game one where they where the Yankees smushed them seven to two and then he makes two great defensive plays 
is that saves runs and then hits the go-ahead homer off Luis Severino in, I think it was the sixth inning um, of that one when Sevy was cruising. Of all players to give up a home run to, the guy's been like 155. Um, of course, it has to be him. Of course, he has to save runs in the field doing that. And then, once again, the Rays come out of this feeling better than the Yankees. I understand. I understand that the Yankees had the Yankees had no business winning two games. Um, if you're to look at it, you know, from you look at it on paper, you're like, oh, there's there's no way this this is a skeleton crew. They signed uh, Matt Carpenter on Friday and he's playing in that game. Um, you have Joey Gallo getting relegated down to the uh, to the nine hole. Um, Kyle Higashioka uh, plays in two of these games. Um, and he's been terrible. Aaron Hicks, Aaron Hicks. You want to talk about something that I can't, I can't get over. Why is he not bunting with runners on first and second and nobody out? Unbelievable. Because then IKF gets up and hits that ground ball and that scores a run instead of it being a fucking inning ending double play. So that's, there were a couple managerial decisions here that, that, that just have me pondering. Um, because once again, Yankees essentially playing with house money at this point, a lot of people out with injury, um, and, uh, nonetheless, they're still taking it to top competition, but you have that Hicks decision, which puzzled me a lot. You have Lucas Litke coming in before Michael King in game three, and then you have Ron Marinaccio coming in before Clark Schmidt in that game four. I don't know why that's the case. Maybe Aaron Boone wanted to see how two underperforming guys in Marinaccio, who's been struggling a little bit and Lucas Litke, who's been bad all year would handle more of a higher leverage. Um, situation because the Yankees kind of need to they needed to stop the bleeding or avoid any um, any more damage at that point and they both obviously failed um, but yeah I don't I don't understand the thinking there unless it was that um, but I don't know why you just don't go for the jugular and try to take the series in game three um, and uh, set the tone with the Rays and then you can really maybe either rest everybody for game four or then you're playing so lax in game four. It doesn't even matter at that point. Um, but yeah, I mean, overall a good series. They outscored the Rays, I think 12 to seven in this, um, in this series. So you, you, you want to see a, a three, one uh, victory over the weekend, but I'll take the split. I'm happy with the split um, one or two decisions or, and look, Hey, Aaron Hicks. Well, we, everyone's been frustrated with him all year. He put two balls in play on Sunday very good, you know. He good at bats and ripped the ball. And bad luck. I understand that's part of the game, but um, uh, it, it's been a tough scene for him. And now Gallo, ba- Gallo batting ninth in a lineup that is mostly backups at this point, I think tells tells you everything you need to know as well. Um, so I know that was a lot of a mishmash that I just said, but that's how I'm feeling about all of it, and um, I'm over it. Angels are coming up. Let's do it. Yeah, I mean, not bunting with Aaron Hicks is 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 one of the more unjustifiable decisions. Don't understand it. Um, you know, two one ball game. You talk about house money and what you're playing with, et cetera. I mean, you're if you're gonna win the series, you're probably gonna win the Cole Kluber one because Shane McClanahan is the Rays ace, is is yeah. one of the five best pitchers of baseball this season. That being said, two one in that game, uh, strained bullpen. There's nobody there. You're you're lucky you got out alive of the first couple. Um, you, you made some suspect decisions in the Cole game. Obviously, he, you know, Wanda Franco, who he pitched around, is now on the IL. The Rays placed him on the IL during this podcast. Of course they did, but he played that whole series. <laughs> Garrett Cole, the, the Garrett Cole fire, I think, is an important thing to note because you're supposed to be fucking fiery after you get the job done, not when you're midway through a job allowing yourself to unravel. 
And of course, Cole gets the first two outs of the six, doesn't get the call on Choi, starts screaming. And what, what Cole's supposed to do there is whiff the next guy, not let both of the next two people reach base. Cole's fire throws him off more than it throws the opposing team off. Yeah. I can name one instance where it worked in his favor in his Yankee career, and, and that's the uh, the Yoran Alvarez strikeout to end the, that one nothing Astros shutout. Oh, yeah. Other than that, he's basically gotten himself worked up into a lather, and the other team is like, oh, my God, he's furious about nothing, and then they immediately take advantage. Yeah. That's what they did on Saturday, and, that, and that's why that game was so yeah. frustrating, leading to a very frustrating game on Sunday – Aaron Hicks, I understand hard contact. I understand hard contact twice in important situations. But it's hard contact on fastballs down the middle. It's hard contact on pitches that that you should be making hard contact on. And too often he hasn't made hard contact on. So there's no reason to celebrate his first bout of hard contact after 35 swings and misses at fastballs directly down the middle. First and second, no outs down 2-1 against McClanahan in the sixth. Desperately trying to steal that game to win the series. You shouldn't be in that game. But the Rays have two hits. And they finished the game with two hits. That's Four not runs. an easy game to steal. Uh, they, they had two hits in that game, both left the yard. The Yankees out hit the Rays 9-2, I believe. Uh, yeah, correct, 9-2. Uh, so you've done all you can to steal that game. That's a tough one, but you did it. You first and second, nobody out. The, the Rays bullpen hasn't come in yet. They enter in the seventh. It's Jason Adam, who we all talked about prior to this uh, <laughs> weekend, and we were 100% right. Obviously, he was annoying. Uh, Fire Eisen was incredible. These didn't do much damage against the bullpen other than when they let Ralph Garza pitch a bunch of extra innings in the first game of the series. First and second, no outs. Uh, it's Andujar and Torres on base. You have you, Aaron Hicks has to bunt. Has to. It's not a debate. It's actually not a debate. And you can't cite the hard hit line drive as evidence that he shouldn't have bunted. You've just decided you don't want to do the bunt anymore in baseball. You've decided you want to legislate the bunt out of baseball if you're not bunting there. Uh, Because if you're not going to bunt there, when the fuck are you ever going to bunt ever again for the rest of time? Right there's the spot. So, yeah, of course, IKF hits that hard grounder in the hole. Walls turns to... um, That should have tied the game. Now, uh, you know, meltdown mode happens in the seventh Eventually, Severino uh, walk, walk, strikeout, and then Ron Marinaccio comes in instead of someone who's more experienced. And Marinaccio has been great in close games, bad in blowouts, and he was terrible in that one. You move on, you lose the game. But yeah, this was a little, I mean, it wasn't 2021-ish because the Yankees did take the first two. I mean, you know, but it was this thing where you're going to find a way to change the narrative and make it the least impressive you possibly can. And, and they certainly did that because they took the first two. Everybody relaxed and said, Cole Kluber's tomorrow. I mean, it's not a guaranteed three out of four, but it's looking like it. And then uh, yeah. you lose that game and it's so stupid. And then, uh, of course, you're going to lose the last one because you want people talking about how stupid your team is going into the off day instead of the fact that they're 33 and 15. Even good teams lose games. This is also not the Yankees. Look at the lineup that went out there on, on Sunday. Yep. Yeah, LeMahieu, Judge, Rizzo, Torres, Miguel and Duhar batting fifth, and you look at that and go, yeah, probably. That's probably the right option. Hicks in the six hole. Kinder Falefa, your nine hitter, is hitting seventh. Higashioka, the worst regular in Major League Baseball, hitting eighth. And Joey Gallo hitting ninth. So let's talk about Aaron Hicks and Joey Gallo now. Um, too many people uh, got on us for hating one or the other early in the season. Be fair to Hicks. You know, why are you being so rude to Hicks? He walks all the time. Be fair to Gallo. What are you talking about? He, you know, and okay, so now we're gonna let's compromise. We hate both of them. Okay. It's not about what it's not about draft capital. It's not about what you gave up for Gallo. It's not about Aaron Hicks uh, still getting on base. They're both awful. 
They're yeah. both unreasonably bad. Mm-hmm. And Joey Gallo, the, the discourse on Gallo is so warped. We've done this before and we'll do it again. You say, I hate Joey Gallo. His performance, it, it, he's been awful for the Yankees. People say, oh, you just don't like the modern player who hits 220 and strikes out 250 times and hits 40 home runs. You know, go back to your cave, dinosaur. You just don't like what baseball is becoming. And to that, I say 220 with 40 home runs would be fucking great from Joey Gallo. That's not even close to what he's giving the Yankees. He's hitting 160 this year. He has a 67 OPS plus relative to the rest of the league. Joey Gallo, an all-star who the Yankees surrendered four assets for last year, is 30% worse than the average hitter. The average hitter this year isn't good. People aren't hitting this year. Joey Gallo has all-time power, light tower power. Do you know how bad you have to be playing to be that far below the league average with Joey Gallo's talent in a year where offense is suppressed throughout the league? You have to be historically terrible, and he has been. And that's the reason why there's nothing to be done about Aaron Hicks other than making him a fourth outfielder because he's on this team through 2025. Joey Gallo is a free agent at the end of this season. You could make the prudent decision to get an additional outfielder, bench Hicks, and trade Gallo. You could do that. People wanted him last year. The Padres wanted him last year. The Yankees outbid the Padres. I don't even think the guys the Yankees gave – I think Josh Smith is a really good player, and he debuted last night with Texas and looked great. I don't think Glenn Otto cracks the Yankees' rotation. I don't think that's really a controversial statement. Didn't need him. Uh, Trevor Hover, I think the Yankees traded him at his peak. Ezekiel Duran is a Rangers top 10 prospect. We'll see what happens there. But even if it were just Duran and Smith for this Gallo at this point, that's a really poor trade and, and a poor outcome for the Yankees. Now, I don't know how we would have possibly known that, but Gallo is, uh, you know, you, you scoff at the people saying he's not meant for New York this offseason because you say, well, it's been two months. And, and he was also okay last year. You know, it wasn't fun to watch Joey Gallo last year. But he had a, a 93 OPS plus. He was below average. He had 303 OBP, 13 bombs in 58 games. I, I'm not giving it a thumbs up. It's whatever. It, it was below the league average, but he as the seventh best offensive player on a team that was struggling. I mean, yeah, yeah. sure. This year in 40 games, he's been unconscionably bad. He doesn't get on base anymore. 17 walks in 137 uh, plate appearances five homers seven rbi thomas is seven rbi the right amount from joey gallo i'm just checking in on is that the amount you expected when we traded for him oh man i hate doing this that 67 ops plus 570 ops 300 slugging yeah that's down that's down 100 points from last season in new york yeah which was also dreadful i don't gallo in texas the, the 2019 season Obviously, 253, 389 OBP, 598 slugging. That's probably unreasonable. But the year before, 40 homers, 92 ribs, 206 batting average, 312 OBP, 498 slugging. That's a 109 OPS plus. There was a lot more offense back then, folks, because this year that would be like a 150. But that 10% above league average right now with 30 homers in the Bronx I'm not complaining about Texas Joey Gallo. And all you idiots who think I'm complaining about Texas Joey Gallo, why are you still caping for Joey Gallo? Yeah, I don't know. Hey, look, if you want to be positive, that's the, that's the difference with the discourse, too. It's not that people are inherently positive and they're like, hey, pick up our guy. Let's, let's, uh, 
let's give him some uh let's give him some more confidence so he feels good about himself it's just people who are contrarians who are like oh well did you did, have you saw what anthony rizzo has done over the last month you're not treating him fairly in terms of criticism what is and that what is that i don't even know first of all anthony we will get into anthony rizzo in a second and i'll elaborate on that more but you look at gallo and look fuck the offense who gives a shit about the offense we have a lot of capable offensive players do we need joey gallo hitting 40 homers no what we need Joey Gallo doing is playing capable defense and putting fastballs in play. I don't care if he fucking lines out. I don't care if he hits the ball, you know, hard up the middle and the shifts right there to scoop it up. I do not care. He is missing center cut fastballs. He has seven RBIs, seven in 40 games. Seven. Um, and I we should look at his batting average on balls um in play. I think that would also be a telling stat. Um, but it's it, it, it when Aaron Boone demotes you to ninth in the lineup, Aaron Boone, who famously does not discipline discipline players when they play poorly or they do um, things that are, I guess, not entirely uh, indicative of uh, a positive effort or um, you know showing the proper dedication. Um, when Aaron Boone moves you tonight uh, to ninth in a skeleton crew lineup, that's yeah. when you know that you're bad, and it's not really it's not really defensible at that point. I don't know what Joey Gallo is going through. I don't understand what this is. No. Um, but at some point, you know, people who are saying, oh, well, wait, you know, there are people that they exist. Do I want to magnify them? I don't. I don't want that, their opinions to be in the mainstream. But we're doing it. We're people doing it. We're giving, him a, we're giving him a guest slot yeah. on the podcast. Okay. Get ready. Joe, you know, Joey Gallo is going to turn it around. He's got 40 home run power. Okay, great. He has 40 home run power. <laughs> it's been almost 100 games in New York now. I understand you look at the scope of a season. Scope of season is 162 games. Gallo is still a third of the way there, uh, two-thirds of the way there. I don't know what is math. We're almost two-thirds of the way there. Um, yeah. Uh, whatever. He's it, However far along he is, he would need a monumental. He would need like one of the hottest streaks that you have ever seen in modern history to get back to where he should be. Let's go. He needs to raise his average 40 points. <laughs> Let's go. He, he needs to raise his OBP almost 50 points. Easy. And he needs to raise his slugging uh, 150 points, 140 points. What's so hard about you, this? If you think that that is going to happen over the next 60, what is it, 62, uh, 64 games um, for him to actually put up a full sample size of a 162-game season in pinstripes, you're out of your mind. You're out of your mind. Outside of your mind, if you think you this is You walked out of your own mind. I don't know why this is happening, but at the very least, all you can ask for from Joey Gallo is adequate defense. And we've gotten the adequate defense in right field where he's more comfortable. But left field has been bad, and he's contributed nothing in center field where Aaron Judge has taken most of the reps. Um, so you look at Joey Gallo and the amount of money he's making, and the once again, the pedestrian projections we had for him okay great hit 200 hit 25 bombs we're good that's probably enough to get get it done right that'll be fine i don't know how you have 18 home runs and 29 rbis i i it, it almost makes no so you're averaging one and a half rbi per home run um <laughs> and, and no other runs and no other hits. and no other hits um so you know you have that and it's frustrating and aaron hicks like i don't know aaron hicks is an average player his career numbers completely average we talked about it before Brian Cashman bought high at the highest possible point on the stock market, and now his his um, investment is tanking. It's a it's a sunk cost at this point. 
There's no way to get rid of him. He needs to be relegated to a fourth outfield spot. I understand in this situation it's not possible because there are injuries and there's other issues we're going through. Um, but yeah, the prudent move here were to be to figure out a way to get rid of Gallo for something, maybe just another arm to have it, um, or maybe just a middling prospect just to put it in the system. It'll be a depressing. Yeah, it'll yeah. be a depressing return. We're Clear the salary. More, yeah, figure it out. That's it. We're pitching. We're pitching more interesting things for Joey Gallo. But yeah. it's like, why doesn't everybody want Luke Voigt? Oh well, I guess take. Let's take the Padres' twenty-first overall, like prospect i don't think it's gonna be quite that dull but you know you're not getting more than one or two prospects for two months of gallo i don't know where he wants to go probably not a contender because we we just sent him there and and he's been regressing like hell in new york so maybe somewhere where the team is bad and he can go on a 15 homer heater in august and september and parlay that into a deal his free agency is gonna be really confusing we're not gonna be a part of it enjoy everybody else enjoy that party that's gonna be scott boris's finest work just, yeah, what what puns is Scott Boris going to use about Joey Gallo at the winter meetings? Uh, you know, people in the 60s love to buy Maseratis, but, you know, sometimes you forget that the gas tank could also be filled with sparkling water. And you're like, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? Um, you you talking know, like, people say strikeouts built the Berlin Wall. Maybe it'll take Gallo to crack it back down. What? Huh? Um, Mr. Gallochev, tear down this wall. What? Um, he's going somewhere else. The, the thing here's the thing with Joey Gallo and Aaron Hicks. Joey Gallo is is not part of this team's long term future, but his regression is also a hell of a lot more confusing than Hicks. Yeah, Hicks is turning thirty. It's it's a shame that he's on the roster through twenty twenty five. But I understand why he doesn't look like the same player. He had Tommy John surgery. Wrist. He had wrist capsule surgery, which often will sap somebody's power. And look at that. It seems to have caught Aaron Hicks at the wrong time. He's going to turn 33 in the middle of the season. He's powerless. He's not making solid contact. He's not taking as many walks as he should. The, the lack of power doesn't give you, you know, the right to swing and miss on fastballs in the zone. But Hicks appears to be hitting the agent curve sooner than most because of the surgery he had that will occasionally end a player's career mm-hmm. as a productive player. So it's really unfortunate that he's on the roster in 2022, 2023, 2024, and 2025. <coughs> but Brian Cashman didn't know that when he signed him. It's not like there's some thing they could just tinker with and bring his wrist back to full strength. It's very upsetting that we've been, we've been saddled with this, and it's very upsetting that the Yankees never make these preemptive extensions and they do it for Severino and Hicks, right? That's a whole different conversation. But Aaron Hicks, I'm I'm pretty much without hope on because it's just like, yeah, this is what might happen to players who have the surgery he had and try to come back at his age. And you're hoping that he comes back and looks like himself, and he doesn't. And so is it going to get better in June and July? I, I don't think the odds are in his favor. Is Joey Gallo going to get better in June and July? Why isn't he already better? His issue is more metaphysical than Hicks is. Like, I don't know what the hell's wrong with Joey Gallo. I know exactly what's wrong with Aaron Hicks. Yeah. Uh, so we would welcome Texas Gallo with above average defense. We're not getting that. We haven't come close to that in, like you said, about 100 games, which leads you to the Andrew Benintendi trade conversations, which leads you to the Ian Happ trade conversations. But whatever it is, is a great conversation. whatever it is, this isn't the playoff outfield. No, it's, it's, not, it's not Gallo, Judge, and Stanton. It's not... Hicks, Judge, and Stanton. 
It's not Gallo and Duhar Judge. It's none of these guys on the roster right now. They'll have you pining for Brett Gardner. Um, and the question is, is Brian Cashman ready to proactively address this need at or before the deadline? Or is he just going to say that, you know, Aaron Hicks is on the books, so he needs to figure it out? Or Joey Gallo, we just we just made that trade, so let's give Joey Gallo the chance to be that 40-homer guy we all know he can be. Asking Gallo to bounce back, I think, is more reasonable than asking Hicks to bounce back. But asking both to bounce back is crazy. Yeah, And you're going to need to fix this before the postseason comes around. The, the 33 and 15 Yankees are very good. Mm-hmm. So are you going to sit back and hope for bounce backs? Or are you going to do what the Rangers did, who were also very good, by the way, but the defense was lagging and they were getting by on great goaltending. And then they traded for Andrew Kopp. And then they traded for uh, other guys who, who tightened up that defense in front. And, and can also score. And some of the, the Rangers midseason additions turn this team, Taylor Mott, like some of these guys turn this team from like, okay, well, show me what you can do in the playoffs to like playoff tested and ready to forecheck and, and ready to, uh, you know, score from any line. So are the Yankees going to look at their roster and say, this team needs two more outfielders? Or are they going to say, this team's really good? And Hicks and Gallo would bad. Like, isn't that enough for you? Like, what more do you want? They're 33 and 15. Um, all the people like David Sampson complaining about how the rotation's not October tested or whatever. The rotation is performing well on the surface and well peripherally. And the rotation is going to have like three days where they're terrible because that's how baseball works. Like the pitchers are going to take a step back at some point, but there's nothing in that rotation that just inherently says not ready for October, unless you want to just be inventing stuff out of thin air. Joey Gallo and Aaron Hicks are not ready for October baseball. So We know that. And so are you going to address the elephant in the room or are you going to pretend they're just going to get better? You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. 
For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. We can talk about Anthony Rizzo. Yeah. I know you want to because you're right. It is fans who are telling you nobody's preaching positivity. Fans are just telling you you should get mad at Anthony Rizzo also. also. You should get mad at more parts of the team. Yeah. Why is everybody mad at Joey Gallo? You should also get angry at Anthony Rizzo and just keep the bad feelings going. Uh, when in reality, like, I, I don't know, even with Anthony Rizzo's recent slump, I don't know where this team is without him. Exactly. It was the same thing with, like, DJ and Giancarlo over the last couple of years because DJ was performing out of his mind and Giancarlo Stanton um, had largely struggled. Uh, he was on and off the field with injuries. He did, couldn't really find a groove. Um, and it was like oh, the second DJ went into a slump. Oh, Stanton gets booed at the stadium, but no one's saying anything about DJ LeMahieu. Um, not that no, you know, people. I, I don't think people deserve to get booed. Um, it's it's not very nice. It happens because you know fans are unruly and and they get frustrated, and it's at least understandable. Um, but I don't see how we're comparing. Two players in Hicks, and whether I don't know who you're comparing, not you, in ge- the general populace, I don't know who you're comparing. Oh, but when you're talking about fans being like, oh, you're mad at some of these people on the roster, so you should be mad at others. It's like, what players are you talking about that I'm mad at? The ones that everybody are mad at because they're playing bad on both sides of the ball and they're not performing even close to what average is, and they're they're disappointing to the point where they're not doing what basic major league baseball players should be doing indicative of their body of work for the previous five, six years, or are you just talking about people that I'm making up in my head? Um, Mm -hmm. Because the people who are playing poorly and it's to the, almost to the point of no return in Kyle Higashioka, Joey Gallo and Aaron Hicks, that is warranted criticism. That is those are warranted boos. Um, And it's tough to say that because you don't know what these players are going through. Um, but you you know it, it it is what it is. It's baseball. It's a sport. There's fans in the stands. The fans are paying money to see games. They get frustrated. There is no comparison for Anthony Rizzo to any of those guys. Anthony Rizzo carried the team in for a few weeks in April. Um, got them off to the start. Helped get them off to this start that has allowed them to split with the Rays and um, you know not and and uh, and um, not worry about you know a disappointing two couple disappointing losses to the Orioles. Um, Anthony Rizzo has earned that right and he's played great defense at first base which has no doubt saved runs it has made the defense look a lot better. Isaiah Connor Falefa has been a wild card at shortstop and he's been great at uh, minimizing any uh, further damage there. Um, in April and March, he hit 273 with a 1.067 OPS, nine homers and 21 RBIs. He did that in one month. That is enough to catch. That is that is that is literally more than half of Joey Gallo's production in 98 games, and he did it in 20. Mm-hmm. So Anthony Rizzo has baked in has baked in a buffer, a criticism buffer for himself. 
carried the team in April, continues to play very good defense, which is saving runs in another, in another way on the field. Um, however, 26 games in May, not exactly encouraging a 163 batting average. Okay. You don't want to talk about batting average because batting average doesn't define a player. Okay, fine. You're right. It doesn't 269 OBP though. That is not good. Good for a 573 OPS. That is really bad. Um, two home runs, seven RBIs. Look, it's problematic because the Yankees are missing players. They're missing key players. Giancarlo Stanton, DJ LeMahieu was in and out of the lineup. Um, I think he probably should be back for good-ish now based on how um, he's responded from the wrist treatment. But you never know. It could be an on-and-off nagging thing that keeps him out. Um, and you have Josh Donaldson, who's still laid up. So that affects the complexion of the lineup big time when facing opposing pitching. And if Anthony Rizzo, who's supposed to be one of the bigger contributors in the lineup, isn't producing at all, then that's putting a further strain on guys who can't be dealing with strain. The the, the guys who are asked to fill in garbage reps um, uh, for the, the, the missing players, those are not the guys who have to step up. Those are the guys who are providing a body in the field to allow us to play a game without forfeiting. Anthony, guys like Anthony Rizzo, DJ LeMahieu, Aaron Judge, in an alternate universe, Aaron Hicks and Joey Gallo need to be the ones performing while, you know, Jose Trevino slash Kyle Higashioka, Miguel Andujar, um, Isaiah Kiner Falefa. Those are the guys who, uh, Glaber Torres needs to step up too, and he has as well. Um, but, you know, you're looking at half the lineup that is just there and co- is supposed to complement whatever is happening. And a guy like Anthony Rizzo needs to be a chief contributor. Um, and him not being a chief contributor, I think, especially in this race series, severely limited what the Yankees could do in those last two games. Um, and uh, while it is a cause for concern, you look at Anthony Rizzo's career. This is another thing. You can get mad at players all you want. I don't care. I'm not going to tell you what to do. But you will be called out for getting mad when it's not within reason. Getting mad at Anthony Rizzo for having a bad month of baseball unless he is actively not playing or doing things to say, hey, you know, I'm going to throw this ball into the stand so these next two runs score. That'd be cool. That's the the, (laughs) the only reason to get mad at Anthony Rizzo. Anthony Rizzo has a body of work in Major League Baseball, including a World Series victory and success in the postseason, above average player every single year of his career. So we're not talking about guys who have faltered for years on end who have dealt with injuries and have failed to get back on or guys who just have not been able to do basic baseball requirements. We're talking about a guy who has had a ton of MLB success and has had what a bad, probably month and a half with the Yankees dating back to last year when he got saddled up with COVID. So we've got a bad month and a half. He reinvigorated this team after the trade deadline, which spurred, uh, you know, which got them on the path to go on that 13 and uh, 13 and 0 or 13 and one run. Um, And then he came back and he, and he, and he performed down the stretch and kept the team in it. So you want to talk about getting mad at a player, getting mad at Anthony Rizzo when the entire lineup is injured and he's not seeing as many pitches as he's usually accustomed to. And just the fact that he's having a bad 26 games after having an otherworldly 21 games is your priorities are out of whack. There's players to be mad at within reason, and then there's players that you just want to be mad at to drum up more controversy among the fan base, and that's what exactly this is. The problem is when someone like Rizzo, who is being relied upon to be one of like four offensive players on the team who is working – is struggling then yeah it maximizes that looking you know that looks bad and then then you start thinking about what if we gave freddie freeman the deal we gave 
that that exactly. he got. And what if we gave Carlos Correa the deal that he got? Um, I mean, this is too good a baseball team for me to cry about that right now. I just I can't get into that, especially because I know what you know surrendering that money for those assets would hamstring the Yankees from doing down the line. <clears throat> this isn't the last year of the franchise, right? If you can be thirty three and fifteen with Aaron Hicks and Joey Gallo playing the way they are and Anthony Rizzo taking a step back in May, like this pitching staff is otherworldly. And yeah, maybe if they'd signed Freddie Freeman to a seven-year deal, they would be 40 and six. I don't know. But for now, I can't really hold the 33 and 15 team. Uh, like I can't hold Brian Cashman accountable for constructing a 33 and 15 team. I can just think about ways to upgrade obvious problem areas. You know, opening the season, I, they didn't think, I don't think they thought they were going to start this hot, but they thought they were a good team. And I think you open the season and you say, is Joey Gallo going to hit us 40 home runs? Now you can go, no, he's not. So now we move on. Is Aaron Hicks going to get back to something like 15 homers, 60 ribs, 260, 350 OBP, great defense? Now you go, no, he isn't. So let's fix it. You're lucky you have the record you do because now you can operate from first place and fix it. Right? Every team has problems. The Red Sox were as hot as possible in May. Top of the offensive rankings, Trevor Story, ooh, a perfect player. They just lost a five-game series to the Orioles at home. That's why the that's why the Yankees are in a better position than the other teams. Because yeah. the Red Sox had to dig like crazy to get somewhat close to 500, and then they lost more ground in what I was calling an automatic 10-game winning streak. Right? They got hot entering five against the Orioles, two against Cincy, three against Oakland. And I was like, the whole time they were terrible. I was like, well, they got an automatic 10-game winning streak baked in there. So, obviously, they're going to be back in the division if they can just get on track. And then they got on track, and then they lost two out of – you know, they won two out of five against the Oracles. It's really hard to dig yourself out. It's – you know, it, it it takes a lot of work to build that cushion. Yeah. Um, and the Red Sox started off – everybody knew the Red Sox were better than they were when they were 14 and 22. But they started off terribly, and it set them down a bad path. I don't think any Yankee fan thought the Yankees were going to play like a 28 and nine team all year long, but guess what? They won those games with these significant problems. It gives you the cushion to be able to reevaluate now in the middle part of the season. I don't think Rizzo is the problem, but when he is a problem, he makes Aaron Hicks and Joey Gallo. And I say Cutter Fluff and Kyle Gashioka look like worse problems, which leads Yankee fans to say, why aren't you also booing this person? Again, it's never, why aren't you cheering this person? <laughs> why, why are you booing two people when you could be booing three people? Uh, and again, this is a 33 and 15 team, which is why you're going to get me mad about Garrett Cole giving up those runs uh, yes. to tie the game and the bullpen struggling and, and being unable to win Cole Kluber. You're going to get me mad about that because that's what baseball is. We complain. Uh, we're excited when we're excited. We whine when we lose one single game in a 162-game strength. That's what we do. However, you're not going to get me to acknowledge that the Yankees are a significant, mind-boggling problem right now. And the Jose Trevino game was an incredible example of stemming that tide when it did seem like, okay, well, you know what? We're about to lose four games in a row, two against the Orioles, right after Josh Donaldson sort of put a pin in this incredible season and popped it like a balloon. At that point, if they lose that Trevino game, you're definitely going to catch me being legitimately concerned for the team's future. At this point, after splitting the Rays series with the skeleton crew they brought in there, you're not going to catch me legitimately concerned. But you are going to catch me just saying, Anthony Rizzo can't be this bad for much longer or else people are going to start talking about it and having more questions. And if he's going to be this bad, they're going to have to make actual tangible changes. I guess let's touch on Taylor Walls a little bit, the the latest uh, player to pick beef with the Yankees. Pick beef, by the way, the Yankees didn't do anything here. The Yankees yeah. have never heard of Taylor Walls. 
the Yankees beat the Rays 7-2 in the first game of this four-game set. Nestor Cortez almost threw a shutout. Uh, gave up, surrendered zero runs himself, but the bullpen let two runs score in the ninth, make that look a little bit closer than it was. Yeah. The Yankees also extended their lead late. A beatdown, a game one beatdown in a game where the Yankees were uh, starting ha- half their offense, like we said. DJ LeMay, who got scratched early, Matt Carpenter, who they signed that day, is all of a sudden in the starting lineup. That day, he's at the stadium saying, I'll load bags into the bus if you want me to. And the Yankees say, Great, hit sixth. And he's like, What? I said I was going to load bags into the bus. <laughs> they were like, No, you're in the lineup, unfortunately. <laughs> so that's what we're dealing with in that game. The Yankees win 7 2. And Taylor Walls gets you know, gets the reporters around him. Taylor Walls, who, by the way, you've probably never heard of again, because Taylor Walls, he, he had, a, I think he had a good year at AAA last year as a mid-tier raise prospect, and he's up at the big league club right now. Taylor Walls, uh, not Randy Rosarino, not Franco, not Kevin Kiermeyer, uh, Taylor Walls. And he says the Yankees are beatable. We can beat them. Now, what very does that beatable, mean? not just beatable. Very, beatable. very beatable. Again, what does that mean? Not much. You know who's beatable? Everyone. Because baseball teams, <laughs> the best baseball teams lose 60 games a year. The, the 102 win baseball teams lose 60 games a year. So, you know who's very beatable? Every team on earth. Yeah. But Taylor Wall is deciding to pick that fight. Pick that fight. Again, the Yankees don't know who you are. Pick that fight when the Yankees are 32 and 13 and have just whipped you is very interesting. The Yankees then won the next day's game, uh, four to nothing. And two of the runs that scored came because Taylor's tried to stop a ball in the hole and and threw it into the ground at first and rolled away. If I do, I have that correct. Uh, can't make the throw from short uh, at that point. So the Yankees have now won two games in a row against the, they're very beatable, but they're two and zero against the Rays. But then of course, like Tim Anderson before him, Taylor Walls gets the last laugh. Why does he get the mm-hmm. last laugh? Uh, luckily this is a regular season game. This is not Mike Brasso in the playoffs just yet, but the rough, the talent equivalence is, is basically Mike Brasso. Walls makes two great defensive plays and hits the tie-breaking home run in the fourth game. And so that I just have to say, why, why, why? Why couldn't it have been uh, literally anybody else on the field? I do not know. Um, my frustration with this is, once again, it's just anybody and everybody to... Usually, look, I know I'm going to sound like an old guy, where you earn the right to shit-talk people. That's kind of the way... You grew up, right? You talk shit to the wrong person when you weren't <laughs> you weren't who you were or you didn't earn that credibility. You probably got your ass kicked. Probably, you know, probably. get beat up by kids at school. It happens. Um, Taylor Walls batting 150 with uh, 90 games of MLB experience, having no negative interactions with the Yankees over the span of his playing career. Nope. Um somehow corralling the media around him in the locker room to talk about how the Yankees are very beatable and how, um, you know, they're going to win. They're, the Rays are the, the Rays. Don't you worry. The Rays are not going anywhere. Taylor no. Walton is. Where are you going to go, Taylor? You're mandated to play 162 games. Of course, you're not going anywhere. Ray you should have quit. Ray should have quit after <laughs> the first one. That would have been more interesting than saying you're not going anywhere. You should have said, out. Uh, you have you to play the baseball game, so I don't know where you would be going. Um, you're the reigning two-time division champions back-to-back years, so it's not like the Yankees came in here and was like, you know what, we're going to make noise. Everyone's saying the Rays are the the the, the ALE's favorites. No, we're, we're going to come in here and we're going to do we're going to do the damage. They didn't. No. They spared themselves. The Yankees know at this point they can't talk shit. So for Taylor Walls to be coming out and saying stuff like that. Um, 
I know it wasn't like as incendiary as we're making it. We're just shocked. You know, you hear the name Taylor Walls and you're like, what? Like if Kevin Kiermaier said this, it would have been like, cool, dude. Like, yeah, I mean, this is par for the yeah. course for Kevin Kiermaier. Fuck you. We man. know who you are. Uh, yeah, I don't like you and you don't like us. And that's that's cool. Taylor Walls, once again, with less than or just about 90 games of MLB experience, batting well below the Mendoza line, a non-productive player, solid, okay defender, but has made 12 errors or 14 errors at, at three different infield positions. Um, it's just like, what? Now it's it's just come to the point where it's a joke, and that's the article I wrote. I just talked about how it's just a joke at this point. It's the Yankees. Nobody likes the Yankees. Everybody wants to get their get their licks in on the Yankees, and they want to mm-hmm. feel good about it. And they know, like, Taylor Walls knows. He's like, no one's going to say anything to me. Nobody likes the Yankees except the Yankees. No. Like Nobody me. likes the Yankees. Yankee fans are going to give me shit, but, like, Everybody else is going to be like, good for you, man. Fuck the Yankees. So that it's just become a joke because of how, once again, dislike the Yankees are for still reasons we don't understand because the Yankees have been bad for like the better part of 15 years now. Um, And you're just sitting here and you're like, so anybody can just do this. Anybody. Soon enough, it'll be triple A players. We'll get down to single A. It'll be just guys who get drafted the night of the draft. You know, the Yankees are beatable. We'll t- I'll take them down when I eventually get there in four years. Yeah. Um, that's what's frustrating to me. It's like, you know, give me some – give me first of all, give me some real trash talk instead of just like, hey, we can beat you. Yeah, of course. Like most division matchups go like 12 – like the bad – the ones that are super skewed are like you have a 12-6 to six or 12-7 to seven record against a division opponent and like you schooled them that season – I don't even know what this trash talk was. I don't know what spurred it. I don't know how it made any sense or how it rallied anybody, but weak, boring, done hearing it. That's me. Weak, boring. I mean, at least this one started and ended in one four-game series. Yeah. Right? Like someone we've never heard of started it. By the end of the series, someone we've never heard of ended it. Great. (laughs) Congrats. Uh, We'll move along. You know what people won't be talking about the next time these two teams face each other is Taylor Walls uh, setting a flame inside the Yankees' tent. (laughs) Um, again like it it is like you do it you people could do whatever they want right like he he tried to motivate the Rays, didn't work at all the next day and i guess worked in the last game of the series and congratulations you got exactly back to where you were when this started you 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 won two of four home games yeah well done well done you recorded you recorded two hits on sunday well done uh, let's talk about aaron judge's mlb network a little bit before we leave uh aaron judge uh, focused in all the right places so far this season. Uh, you want to talk about somebody who's earned himself money. This is not shocking. We all know what Aaron Judge is doing, uh, but the numbers are incredible. Uh, leads baseball in home runs. Yes, I'm not incorrect about that. Um, Aaron Judge has 18 bombs uh, on the year. I believe that's your current league leader. Uh, yes, it is. In fact, most people aren't close. Uh, 309, 376, 669, slugging 1044 OPS. 198 OPS plus again, you know, judge obviously started off at a significant advantage, but to, you know, talk about Joey Gallo. Those judge numbers are amazing, but they're, they're like 200% better than the rest of the league. Holy shit. Uh, and, and judge went on MLB network over the weekend and, and basically, you know, they, they're trying to do some gotcha stuff and they just didn't get. It. Yeah. I love this thing. This was a great interview. Um, with Howard Reynolds, they date, dated it back to his, um, uh, his draft night, and he had the cool audio from Harold Reynolds talking about how he loved the pick for the Yankees, which was awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But yeah, Judge focusing in all the right spots. Talking about that, Howard Reynolds brings up the contract. Judge is not worried about the contract. Judge just wants to win for New York and play hard for his teammates and play the game that he enjoys. Um, talked about batting average and how that was kind of king when he was growing up, which also, folks, wasn't even that long ago. Aaron Judge growing up was like 14 years ago. Aaron Judge was a kid like 14 years ago. So to think that batting average is like that outdated or like to even reference batting average at all nowadays is like, oh, what are you doing? What are you? You're not baseball woke, dude. You don't know what you don't. You're not going to you're not going to talk about the advanced metrics. You're only going to talk about batting average. Um, Aaron Judge talked about how he takes pride in hitting the ball, which you should, because that's the, the object of baseball. Um, and then he lets his power kind of dictate um, the results after his swing. Um, which is a is it's a nice approach to hear because um, you have other guys who intentionally look for walks, which is inf- an infuriating way to play baseball. Um, and Aaron Judge loves putting bat on ball. He loves producing runs. He likes testing the defense, um, and he likes being the guy. He likes stepping up to the plate and is like, you know what? I'm going to do something here. I'm going to I'm I am going to make an impact here. Um, and uh, I thought it was really cool that um, he also it's funny because Judge Judge is I know people kind of get on Yankee fans cases because you're like, no, oh, Judge. yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just like, oh, you think Judge is Jeter like Judge isn't even close to Jeter. I'm like, well, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, Jeter's uh, Derek Jeter's accomplished a lot more. Um, Derek Jeter just got a Twitter account, folks, in case you haven't in case you haven't found that out, go follow yeah. him. Um, but Aaron Judge has the same demeanor. Um, he's a soft-spoken dude. Um, he says the right things in all the right moments. He backs his teammates. Um, he's reasonable during times of chaos, such as when, you know, the fans threw trash at the guardians outfielders. And when Josh Donaldson had those inappropriate comments directed at Tim Anderson, um, always the right thing to say. And then even when he's being cocky, when, uh, Harold Reynolds was saying, Hey, you, you know, you rejected a 30.5 AAV contract. Like everyone's calling that a gamble. And Harold Reynolds was like, what gamble is this? I don't know what gamble it is. Is Aaron Judge we're talking about? And Judge was like, yeah, I mean, I don't think it's a gamble. I just think I am a recognize, you know, he knows he's a recognizable player. He's mm-hmm. like, people know what I could do over a full slate of games. So if I'm not being held back from injury or COVID shortened season or literally whatever it is, you kind of know what I'm producing. So if I get another full shot at this, it's going to, it's just going to raise my price. It's not really a risk. It's like, hey. The risk is, yeah, I guess getting injured on another freak accident, which has mostly been judges, um, judges' injuries at this point in in his career. But mm. if he puts together a regular full slate of Aaron Judge MVP caliber ba- baseball, you know, finishing in the top five for MVP voting, that brings the price up. Uh, and and then you factor in his recognizability um, and his larger than life stature. That factors in, and we talked about it uh, kind of a couple times ago. His contract situation is different than almost everybody else's because we're all everybody's doing is, oh, does he deserve you know, a Robinson Cano type extension? Does he deserve a Mike Trout type extension? Does he deserve a Albert Pujols type extension? It's like it's kind of it's just different. He's in the New York market. He's recognizable in every sense of the word: size, face, voice style of play he's different than literally almost everybody he has the judges chambers he has the yankees marketing team by the balls you make the team money it doesn't matter what your output is on the i mean it does matter what your output is on the field but if you're making the money in other ways that goes to the negotiating table folks that's just that's just what happens with it and we shouldn't view it any differently because 
if Aaron Judge is making richer people more money, he deserves a piece of that money, just like as if anybody else in any line of work was, you know, disproportionately uh, earning versus what, you know, th- their employers or, or uh, their boss was earning. So um, it's a very different scenario, especially nowadays with the way the marketing world has kind of um, turned things upside down. Um, and Judge, despite his age, you know, you look, he's going into his age 31 season next year, which you know, everyone's like, oh, man, you hit 30. You can't can't pay somebody in their 30s. Um, he's going to buck the trend there, maybe, because the price is going up every day. And it's not really changing unless something drastic happens. So I think this is what it is. This is Judge here to stay. And um, I, I like the MLB Network interview. Um, I thought it was the right tone. Um, it was in great taste. Um, and it was a nice little warning message for the Yankees. I think they got to. They got to be ready to pay up now. They seem more desperate than they did at the beginning of the year, though. When, like a week or so ago when Brian Cashman was like, hey, we're open to renegotiating. You know, we never said we weren't. It's like, yeah. all right, well, you hinted you weren't, right? So it's not like you never said it, but you kind of were like, this is the offer. We know he doesn't want to talk. We don't want to talk. And, you know, nobody came to that conclusion. It, it's insane to believe this is the same season that started with Brian Cashman on opening day announcing loudly that they were not going to pay their best baseball player. Then that baseball player responding with an absurd first two months of the season, as well as getting vaccinated so he can play in Toronto and has played in Toronto. Uh, We don't know when that happened, but we know it did happen. And he's answered every single question other than, can you do it for a full season? Can't answer that in May. We'll find out. And can you win a championship in New York? No reason to think he can't, but he just has to do it. It's a question you can't answer until it's over. Jason Tatum's going to be hearing it until he maybe wins the title next week. It's what superstars hear until they do it. So he hasn't done it yet. He's going to hear that question. It's an embarrassing line of thinking. It's tough to say out loud. If you're a believer in Aaron Judge's skills, you hear yourself saying, well, he's got to win a ring. And you go, why am I saying that? I know that. I know it's hard to win a ring. But at the same time, it's why we watch. It's the expectation. At a certain point, things need to break in that direction or else, you know, it's not time to move on. But it does dog you in, in modern sports, and, and there are great champions, and there are people who never got to that line. And so uh, the Yankees need to you know, really, 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 truly hope that this is the year where Judge wins a championship in New York because there are no guarantees he stays beyond this year. The onus is shifted, you're right, 100% on the Yankees to get the job done. At the beginning of the year, at the beginning of the year, you honestly had people saying, including us, is Judge's ask too expensive? And is he worth $27 million a year? Like, it was seven years, two thirteen, a good mm-hmm. offer for Judge. And we were like, hey, you know what? He could turn it down if he wants to turn it down, but it's a reasonable offer. Now that fa- sounds like a steal, an, an unbelievable steal, even if you're worried about the injury concerns. And that's the thing, right? Aaron Judge, the end of this contract is going to be ugly. We've talked about it before. We'll talk about it again. There's no way he's the same player now at age 39 and 40 or 38, or 37. You are paying to maintain your number one brand advantage and to win championships in Aaron Judge's prime, which could be five more years, three more years. I don't know, but you need to give yourself the best opportunity to win championships. This brings me back to the one other thing that made me mad this week when Yankees Twitter decided to talk about how Patrick Corbin is bad now and how, (laughs) thank God, Brian Cashman ducked out of that Patrick Corbin sweepstakes and what, so first off, thank God he he didn't even make a competitive offer for Patrick Corbin, and you're thanking God for that. 
the fact that he wasn't even financially uh, allowed to you know untie the purse strings for multiple high dollar free agent pitchers they basically said you can have Garrett Cole and not Patrick Corbin don't even try and that's what you're celebrating that the Yankees don't let Brian Cashman have two cracks at high dollar free agent pitching yeah. congrats on celebrating that two Patrick Corbin has been awful this year right flat I think for the last few years flat terrible this year flat terrible last year yeah. uh, I'm just pulling up the numbers so that we have him in front of us he, he is 32 years old about to turn 33 6.30 ERA this year awful oh my god 5.82 in 2021 yikes terrible 2019 the year they tried to sign him but didn't really try 3.25 14 and 7 202 innings 238 k's 11th in the Cy Young race transitioned to the bullpen for the playoffs and covered the middle innings where Adam Adovino was blowing the 2019 postseason to the Astros. So the Yankees have Patrick Corbin and he's a bad contract and he's on the roster right now. And the Yankees also have Garrett Cole on the roster, which they could have done. Uh, Corbin would be in the bullpen at this point struggling. It would be registering as a bad contract. He's not good anymore, but they might've won the 2019 world series. So when when you're dancing on the grave, of that contract, just know that the team that actually signed Patrick Corbin rode him to a title over the team that beat you because you didn't have enough pitching. So there's a good chance that they signed Patrick Corbin that it looks ugly now, but they have a 2019 World Series ring. Twitter doesn't seem to care. Twitter, Twitter only talks about the long term, which is why they're talking about the end of Aaron Judge's contract. You want to win World Series, you sign Aaron Judge. Yeah. That's it. Well for put. This- of the Yanks Go Yard podcast. Make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you want and listen to your podcast. Uh, drop us a five-star review. Drop us a mailbag question. We'll be more than happy to answer your questions if you want to. I'm Adam Weiner. That's where you can find me on Twitter. Thomas Carinante, anything you want to add before you wrap this up? And if so, or if not, where can the people find you? Oh, I'm at Tommy's underscore takes. Um, no, we did a lot of we did a, we did a lot of flame throwing today, um, and I'm happy about it. We're getting a lot of getting a lot of that bad energy out before series against the Angels. Crucial, crucial stuff starting tonight. Um, in the meantime, folks, head on over to YanksGoYard.com. Um, we got plenty of content there for you. Um, talk to us on the official YanksGoYard Twitter account at YanksGoYardFS. Um, we will see you on Thursday, 2 p.m. Eastern, live here again. We will not see you next Monday. Probably nope. next Tuesday. Maybe nope. next Wednesday. No, not, not even next Tuesday. We'll see you once None next week. Days. Yeah, we'll see you once next week on Thursday. Then maybe we'll pop in at some other point to do some some little fun interaction. I don't know, um, but be geared up for that um, and have yourselves a good next couple days, and we'll be talking about the, uh, the Angel series come Thursday. Yes, we will, and we'll see you then. Bye, everybody. Go Rangers. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.